his office is in disarray. I don't know if he believes that or not, but I do know that he thinks that the antics he pulled off this week, the support he got from House Republicans, and the turnout that we're likely to see uh, tomorrow. This is... uh... I thought it was going to be the fucking um, Trump arrest announcements. The direct those quote that could happen if he's indicted with the former president continuing on to write, quote, no crime has been committed. Our senior political. It's not purely in a good way, because what we've seen even in the last 12 hours is old Donnie ramping up his vile rhetoric. We know this man's always been a monster, like before, during and after his time in office. He has been a ghoul. But what he's yeah. just done with regard to yes, Alvin Bragg, exactly. even more cool. than yesterday, guys, is jaw-dropping. I know you're going you're gonna to call me naive, and maybe I am, but even for Trump, it's a lot. Like, even for Donald Trump and his movement, the blatant call for racist violence is something we haven't really seen, uh, you know, from the direct core of the movement. Yeah, from the fringes, always. But from Trump itself, it's really, really bad. But what makes this at least somewhat positive is that Bragg has responded strongly, giving an epic response to these racist, violent attacks as he looms closer to indictment and dropped a giant bomb on Trump that has him and his movement shaking in their tiny little boots. But let's start with the two big revelations of the last day and how awful it is. And new this morning, Donald Trump escalating his rhetoric against Manhattan's District Attorney Alvin Bragg over that hush money investigation. In a post overnight, Trump raised the possibility of, quote, death and destruction, close quote, that could happen if he's indicted with the former president continuing on to write, quote, no crime has been committed. Our senior political correspondent, anchor of Inside Politics on an anchor of a fascinating special last night on TikTok, which we'll get to in a moment. Abby Phillip is here. Good morning. Good morning. Good, morning. Good to see you. I'm great to be here with you guys. Abby. Death yeah, no and destruction. Given the <laughs> history yeah. and the background of the death and violence on January 6th and the insurrection. Why is the president? No quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Question mark. No. Russia, Russia, Russia collusion. Question mark. (laughs) He doesn't see any downside to upping the ante. And, And why would he? Every time that he's escalated the rhetoric, the response on Capitol Hill from Republicans, even the ones who are typically more measured about Trump, has been to circle the wagons around him. So uh, these things really feed on themselves. When when Trump sees the reaction to one post, the previous one, uh, calling on his supporters to protest, and he sees that the only consequence of that had been that Republicans basically said, we've got to defend Trump. He goes one step further, and I think that's what we're seeing here. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what Alvin Bragg is going to do. But 
Trump is raising a lot of money off of this kind of rhetoric. And I think that he does not care if he does, in fact, spin up unrest. That's part of the strategy. Well, he raised a whole lot of money by saying, well, I'm going to be, you know, insinuating that he was going to be indicted on Tuesday, right? Raise money off of that. But th this is really disturbing to me because he's been doing this for a while. And I think we can't talk enough about it where he's been calling uh, these prosecutors who happen to be African-American, saying that they're racist. He called Alvin Bragg uh, a Soros-backed animal. Yeah, he's turning to his old tricks here of, you know, um, being uh, racist or racist adjacent, yeah. using that type of language for people. Yeah, and, and as, as someone who's, I covered Trump for years, you, if you go back and you read his rhetoric, I mean, this goes actually all the way back to the 80s. Mm -hmm. Trump has a very long history of calling black people racist. And, or dumb. Or dumb, or... Don't buy solar panels. Seriously, there is a very good reason why we're saying this. If you're thinking about buying solar panels, don't. Three of calling black people racist. And, or dumb. And, or dumb, or using, you know, um, talking about Baltimore as being, you know, filthy, rat infested, the same thing with uh, Congressman John Lewis's district in the Atlanta suburbs. So he has a long history of that. Uh, these are, I, I don't know if we can even call them codes at this point, Sorry. because I think that it's pretty transparent, but they, they are signals to his base who are much more prone uh, to see black people in positions of power in particular uh, in a racial lens, even though what the DA is doing at this moment actually has absolutely nothing to do with race. I think we've got to just stick with the facts here, wait for them to unfold and not get distracted by what Trump is trying to do, which is to rile up his, his base from a political perspective on this issue. So that first one really goes out and it notes the racial politics here. And of course, there are two people of color on that panel. And of course, they understand this better than I do. I, I speak, you know, as somebody who's sympathetic and who can observe things theoretically, but I don't live that experience, right? I'm just, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a white guy, right? You know what I mean? But the point is, what Donald Trump is doing can't be disconnected from race. And what he's clearly doing, we've talked about this, is that by calling people animals, it's, a de it's an act of dehumanization. And he's ramping that up, and he did that yesterday, and he did it again today. Right? These are new, updated attacks on Alvin Bragg. But it gets even worse in the following one. Because not only do they talk about these racial elements, Donald Trump, and we alluded to this in my first video, but Donald Trump shares a particular photo, and this particular photo shows him, or at least implicates, implies, him taking direct violent action against Bragg. And people are concerned about that. So, so, John, I mean, we can show you this, but so, go back to the image of the baseball bat while John talks. Look yes. at this. This guy that was well, the president of the United yes, States. I mean, look, uh, I, you know, there have been some who have suggested uh, that, that Trump could be could put himself in some legal jeopardy here, uh, that this is a, 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 a not, it's, it's certainly at a minimum suggestive of a, of a direct threat to a, to a public official, to, a public official, to, to, to the uh, Manhattan DA. It, it, some say it goes further than that. There's no doubt what's being 
what you're being messaged here. And if you come up with a line which is Soros-backed animal, uh, you are managing to roll uh, racism and anti-Semitism into one into one uh, toxic package, and then you combine it with that kind of imagery. Uh, it is a it's, it is a, a, a provocative to say the least, dangerous, incendiary. There's been a lot of discussions around around the security that is uh, being put in place to try to protect uh, Alvin Bragg here in, in Manhattan. And and Joe, you guys made the point earlier. There's no doubt. We don't know what, what Donald Trump's supporters will or won't do if he is there isn't indicted. But what he, we have seen over the course of this week is that when Donald Trump threw up the, the, the Trump signal, the bat signal on Saturday and tried to move this case out of the legal realm into the political realm, I'll tell you who did come riding to his rescue, House Republicans. Uh, th th he continues to have, in the, in the one branch of government where Republicans are in charge, he continues to have the chairman of two powerful committees with subpoena power who, before any indictment was ever actually issued by the office, I know this point has been made, but I'll say it again, they, he asked them to jump, they said how high. And they are now uh, aiding in his effort to try to uh, delegitimize, disrupt, uh, wreak some kind of chaos that will, I guess in Trump's view, advantage him politically somehow, potentially disrupt uh, the, the, the proceedings of the, of the grand jury. We have no reason to think that's happened yet, but I will say, in Donald Trump's world today, and in Donald Trump's head, he thinks he won this week. He thinks that he, he, that he thinks that he, a lot of people thought he was gonna get indicted this week. He's not gonna get indicted this week. His messaging yesterday about how the DA's office is in disarray, I don't know if he believes that or not, but I do know that he thinks that the antics he pulled off this week, the support he got from House Republicans, and the turnout that we're likely to see uh, tomorrow in Waco, Texas, which we talk about the, the semiotics of that a little later and the ugliness of that scene. But I think Donald Trump feels like he's in a better place today than he was last Saturday. To me, it's uh, interesting that it's in Waco because I... Um because I just mentioned Waco, uh, like the day before, day before that, within 24 hours, I would say. <clears throat> I think that dude. I think he's like one of my. I think he's. He, uh, well, I know. I got beat up in my own freaking driveway once because, you know, I was the victim of. Uh, Trump, um, you know, the Trump gazpacho. <laughs> yeah, as we all are, we're all fucking victims to this guy, man. Y'all gotta stand up and, and uh, protect your democracy, man. Call all three branches of government. I, get, I do have, uh, well... I don't know. I think I'm just like home. Apparently, this everything I do is just like being routed through Department of Homeland Security. So I have to write this cease and desist letter to the fucking Department of um, Justice, I guess. Um. Uh, or it's like a complaint, like some kind of official complaint. Maybe through the, uh, you know, it must be like a 
complaint with uh, how the government's <laughs> complaint. Yeah, where's the complaint office? <laughs> Let's see here. Complaint office, where's the complaint office? I want to file a complaint. Complaint office! into a thumbnail um like four of his thumbnails Robin Bragg arrest Trump Donald Trump found dead <laughs> Trump lawyer working for Jack Smith <laughs> yeah green exposed by sex video Politics, politics, go. Politics, AFE. Popcorn. Wildcats, um, Midas Touch Network, uh, Comedy Central, 
fucking funny, man. Stand up. Uh, I want my own show, man. Give me my own show. Criminal division. Katie Hobbs. <laughs> Donald Trump found dead in his living room. That's freaking awesome. Attention, this is an important announcement for those on Medicare. If you are an eligible American and living in... So, folks, what I have for you is a three-part <laughs> treat this morning. Because what it demonstrates know. is that Jamie Raskin I is wish. not only one of the most brilliant men in Congress, but he's also especially skilled and so determined at taking down GOP hypocrisy. Not only Donald Trump, although we should be clear, he's definitely taking down Donald Trump, but also his cronies and how they try to weaponize the language of rights when it suits them. Well, ...every single day. So I'm going to play you three clips. The first is of Raskin tearing down the Republican hypocrisy on book banning and on how they're supposedly the party against cancel culture when they're the ones trying to silence actual, like, you know, intellectual pursuit. Then, he goes into the insanity about how the Republicans interpret the Second Amendment before the main course, guys, where Raskin tears apart Donald Trump with the rant of the year like never before. The best takedown of Donald mm. Trump you will ever see. <laughs> Check it all out. Well, it's about book banning, of course. Two years ago, more than 1,600 books were banned in the United States of America. Here are three of the key books that the right-wingers have been going after. <clears throat> Khalid Hosseini's... <clears throat> Khalid Hosseini's The Kite Runner, about the dangerous fanaticism, authoritarianism, and abuse of the Taliban, a right-wing religious fundamentalist movement, all about censorship and repressing women's control over their own bodies and their own fertility. The Handmaid's Tale. Margaret Atwood's extraordinary dystopian novel about a right-wing misogynist movement which uses high technology and depraved religious ideology to control not only the minds of their followers, but the, but the private and public lives and the fertility of women. And of course, George Orwell's 1984, because they have no sense of irony. They're always trying to censor this one. Mr. Chairman, we, time's expired. We, we need more politicians reading books Gentlemen's in America time. and fewer politicians trying to censor books in America. And I, it is amazing to me, thank you, Mr. Chairman, it's amazing to me to see politicians who oppose a universal violent criminal background check and who defend assault weapons after the massacres at Columbine, after Parkland, Florida, 
after Sandy Hook in Newtown, Call Connecticut, after Uvalde, after Santa Fe, Texas, that they are now going to keep America's children safe by banning The Handmaid's Tale in 19... We need to call out. Um, we need to. Uh, We can do better for the children of America. Are you back? We die of gun violence in America than in any other industrialized country on earth, whether we're talking about Canada or Germany or France, United Kingdom, Japan, Israel, you name it. They know that the states with the highest rates of firearm, firearm deaths are the ones with the weakest gun laws and the states with the lowest levels of firearm deaths have the strongest gun laws. But they say that all of this chaos and destruction is just the necessary price we have to pay because of the Second Amendment. All those thousands of people gunned down at church and school, at the Walmart, in parks and grocery stores, are just the human sacrifice we've decided to pay as a society for our Second Amendment. My colleagues, this is a lie. Our colleagues advance a completely flawed theory of the Second Amendment, which leads them to oppose even reasonable common sense gun safety rules that the Supreme Court has approved and which the vast majority of Americans endorse. Our colleagues embrace what's called the insurrectionist theory of the Second Amendment. Our colleague Mr. Gates says the Second Amendment is, quote, about maintaining within the citizenry the ability to maintain an armed rebellion against the government if that becomes necessary. Our colleague Chip Roy says the Second Amendment was designed purposefully to empower the people to resist the force of tyranny used against them. And Congressman Boebert says the Second Amendment, quote, has nothing to do with hunting unless you're talking about hunting tyrants, maybe. Well, this theory is completely debunked and destroyed by the text of the Constitution itself and by Supreme Court precedent. And yet their theory of the Second Amendment is killing Americans. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15 of the Constitution gives Congress the power to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union and suppress insurrections and invasions. The Republican Guarantee Clause tells the U.S. Congress to guarantee a Republican form of government to the states and to protect them against domestic violence. There's six other provisions in the Constitution, including the Treason Clause, that debunk what they're saying, and we're going to have to get through their false notion of the Second Amendment in order to save human life. Thank you. I yield back. To help him. Joining us now is Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin, ranking member of the House Oversight Committee. Congressman Raskin, thank you so much for being here. I would just, I would, you are a scholar of the law. It, it, we have heard the phrase investigate the investigators many times in the Trump era, but this feels different. And is this even legal for Jim Jordan to ask Alvin Bragg to come before Congress in the middle of an open investigation? 
Well, let's start with this. I mean, we actually have jurisdictional authority over the Department of Justice in the House Judiciary Committee, but it is very well established that even there with the DOJ, where there's real jurisdictional oversight responsibility, that we cannot intervene in an ongoing case. Then you take it from the federal level to the state and local level where we have no jurisdictional power over state investigative and prosecutorial authorities. And this is just unheard of and uh, outrageous. Uh, it's clearly an attempt to elevate Donald Trump completely above the law, completely above the Constitution. And that's what's so scary about this. The GOP has turned into a messianic cult of personality around one guy who has proven himself to be a one-man crime wave, and they've all wrapped <laughs> themselves in their careers and their destinies around yeah. Donald Trump. I, you know, it is staggering to me that Trump's lawyer, Joe Tacopino, reportedly suggested that the House uh, Judiciary Committee do this. And they have in turn followed suit into what a a morass that you, I think, rightfully uh, suggest could be unconstitutional. And then there's the reality of if they actually did this. You told The Washington Post, and I, again, I agree with this, that it could completely backfire, even if they managed to get Alvin Bragg up to the hill. Can you talk about the ways in which Democrats see this as a potential uh, danger zone for Republicans if they do, in fact, go through with all of this? Well, Alex, you know, the, the emperor has no clothes at any level. I mean, during the impeachment trial, the rhetoric of all the Republicans was, well, if there's a real problem, you don't need to impeach and convict him. Just prosecute him when he leaves office. That's fine. Now all of the prosecutors are saying there are these criminal offenses we want to research. And they say, how dare you prosecute a former president, someone who's put himself forward to run for president again? I mean, they will devise any argument to try to guarantee the total immunity and impunity of one Donald Trump. Uh, So they're taking us into completely unknown territory as a society today. I do wonder, I mean, when you talk about terra incognito and new territory, it's not just what Trump is asking Congress to do in this sort of um, extrajudicial kind of fashion. It's also the threat. These tools, exclamation point. that he is directing at prosecutors and in particular the Manhattan District Attorney calling him a Soros-backed animal. And then today uh, the former president shared a post on Truth Social that is a link to an article that shows a picture of Trump holding a bat next to Alvin Bragg's face. I mean, does that rise to the level of a threat of violence against uh, a prosecutor? Duh. Well, some of the people who are in the D.C. jail right now uh, as January 6th convicts were... uh, Um, That's at uh, 8.57. Suspects are people who wielded baseball bats and batons and flagpoles and metal poles and other weapons like that. So Donald Trump is obviously sending a not very subliminal, subtle signal uh, to his uh, most avid followers out there. Um, I I trust that uh, 
that the good district attorney has sufficient security, but it's a very dangerous moment when you have people at his level giving license to violence and to uh, violent attacks, including on law enforcement. I mean, this is something that we're going to be dealing with tomorrow when Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to be leading a delegation from uh, the House Oversight Committee to go to the D.C. jail to visit the January 6th defendants uh, who she describes as political prisoners, mm. like Alexander Solzhenitsyn or Nelson Mandela in South Africa uh, or Navalny today. These are not political prisoners. Um, there are 20 of them there. 17 of them have been charged with assaulting federal officers, including with baseball bats and batons and Confederate flagpoles and uh, spraying them with uh, noxious chemicals. And I don't have too much more to add to all of that. It is perfect front to back. I just want to say a few things. One, Raskin in that first clip really does show that if there's any cancel culture, it's from the right. AOC said similar things as well. We have to understand this. Don't let the Republicans gaslight you into thinking that it's the left that's censoring people. It's, it's not true. The left does at times demand accountability for the words people use. And when people are racist or sexist or homophobic, and they have big profiles, yeah, they should be held accountable for how harmful their speech can be. But that's very different from what the Republicans do, which is literally ban books. They literally ban certain ideas from the classroom. You are not allowed to teach certain ideas in the classroom now if you are in Republican states like Florida, for example. They are the ones doing the cancel culture. They are the ones doing the censorship. And when a left-wing person gets canceled or censored, they don't care. It's all a tool for power. That second one, really, we have to make that clear. That in a moment where Republicans are growing increasingly violent, and Donald Trump is increasingly calling for violence to defend him, to keep him out of prison, we need to realize that their interpretation of the Second Amendment is not about liberty, it's about violence against their fellow citizen. That's something we can't forget. And finally, in that just, guys, effing beautiful ending there, Raskin goes in hard without mercy and makes it clear, not only is Donald Trump a crook, Every single Republican aiding and abetting him is a crook, is an accessory to this one-man crime wave. I know he's still recovering from cancer, and we wish him well. And I hope to God he recovers, not only for him and his family, but because this country, the United States, needs him. No one believed it at first, but now everyone wants one. In under 45 seconds, I'm going to show you how this device can save you $2,000 a year on cable bills, all while still accessing thousands of broadcast TV shows, movies, sports, and live news. Rather than spending over $150 every month on channels you never watch, plus useless equipment rentals, this $49 device is the best and most cost-effective way to turn your regular TV into a supercharged home entertainment system. The device uses TV reamping technology to catch satellite TV signals, which unlocks thousands of broadcast TV shows, movies, sports, and live news. Can you imagine a world where you don't have to pay for that overpriced cable bill every month? I can. Takes less than a minute to set up. All you need...
full and miraculous miraculous recovery Our colleagues embrace what's called the insurrectionist theory of the Second Amendment. Our colleague, Mr. Gates, says the Second Amendment is, quote, about maintaining within the citizenry the ability to maintain an armed rebellion against the government, if that becomes necessary. Our colleague, Chip Roy, says the Second Amendment was designed purposefully to empower the people Whoa. to resist the force of tyranny used against them. And Congressman Boebert says the Second Amendment, quote, has nothing to do with hunting unless you're talking about hunting tyrants. Maybe. Well, this theory is completely debunked and destroyed by the text of the Constitution itself and by Supreme Court precedent. And yet their theory of the Second Amendment is killing Americans. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15 of the Constitution gives Congress the power... to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the union and suppress insurrections and invasions. The Republican Guarantee Clause tells the U.S. Congress to guarantee a Republican form of government to the states and to protect them against domestic violence. There's six other provisions in the Constitution, including the Treason Clause, that debunk what they're saying. And we're going to have to get through their false notion of the Second Amendment in order to save human life. Thank you. I yield back. To help him. 
Joining us now is Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin, ranking member of the House Oversight Committee. Congressman Raskin, thank you so much for being here. I would just, I would, you are a scholar of the law. It, it, we have heard the phrase investigate the investigators many times in the Trump era, but this feels different. And is this even legal for Jim Jordan to ask Alvin Bragg to come before Congress in the middle of an open investigation? Well, let's start with this. I mean, we actually have jurisdictional authority over the Department of Justice in the House Judiciary Committee, but it is very well established that even there with the DOJ, where there's real jurisdictional oversight responsibility, that we cannot intervene in an ongoing case. Then you take it from the federal level to the state and local level, where we have no jurisdictional power over state investigative and prosecutorial authorities. And this is just unheard of and uh, outrageous. Uh, it's clearly an attempt to elevate Donald Trump completely above the law, completely above the Constitution. And that's what's so scary about this. The GOP has turned into a messianic cult of personality around one guy who has proven himself to be a one-man crime wave, and they've all wrapped themselves in their careers and their destinies around Donald Trump. I, you know, I, I, it is staggering to me that Trump's lawyer, Joe Tacopino, <laughs> reportedly suggested that the House uh, Judiciary Committee do this, and they have in turn followed suit into what a morass that you, I think, rightfully uh, suggest could be unconstitutional. And then there's the reality of if they actually did this, you told the Washington Post, and I, again, I agree with this, that it could completely backfire even if they managed to get Alvin Bragg up to the hill. Can you talk about the ways in which Democrats see this as a potential uh, danger zone for Republicans if they do, in fact, go through with all of this? Well, Alex, you know, the, the emperor has no clothes at any level. I mean, during the impeachment trial, the rhetoric of all the Republicans was, well, if there's a real problem, you don't need to impeach and convict him. Just prosecute him when he leaves office. That's fine. Now all of the prosecutors are saying there are these criminal offenses we want to research. And they say, how dare you prosecute a former president, someone who's put himself forward to run for president again? I mean, they will devise any argument to try to guarantee the total immunity and impunity of one Donald Trump. Uh, so they're taking us into completely unknown territory as a society today. I do wonder, I mean, when you talk about terra incognito and new territory, it's not just what Trump is asking Congress to do in this sort of um, extrajudicial kind of fashion. It's also the threats that he is uh, directing at prosecutors and in particular the Manhattan District Attorney calling him a Soros-backed animal. And then today uh, the former president shared a post on Truth Social that is a link to an article that shows a picture of Trump holding a bat next to Alvin Bragg's face. I mean, does that rise to the level of a threat of violence against uh, a prosecutor? Well, some of the people who are in the D.C. jail right now uh, as January 6th convicts or uh, suspects are people who wielded baseball bats and batons and flag poles and metal poles and other weapons like that. So Donald Trump is obviously sending a not very subliminal, subtle signal uh, to his uh, most avid followers out there. Um, I, I trust that the, that the good district attorney has sufficient security, but it's a very dangerous moment 
when you have people at his level giving license to violence and to uh, violent attacks, including on law enforcement. I mean, this is something that we're going to be dealing with tomorrow when Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to be leading a delegation from uh, the House Oversight Committee to go to the D.C. jail to visit the January 6th defendants uh, who she describes as political prisoners, mm. like Alexander Solzhenitsyn or Nelson Mandela in South Africa. Uh, or Navalny today, these not political prisoners. Um, there are 20 of them there. 17 of them have been charged with assaulting federal officers, including with baseball bats and batons and Confederate flagpoles and uh, spraying them with uh, noxious chemicals. And I don't have too much more to add to all of that. It is perfect front to back. I just want to say a few things. One, Roskin in that first clip really does show that if there's any cancel culture, it's from the right. AOC said similar things as well. We have to understand this. Don't let the Republicans gaslight you into thinking that it's the left that's censoring people. It's, it's not true. The left does at times demand accountability for the words people use. And when people are racist or sexist or homophobic and they have big profiles, yeah, they should be held accountable for how harmful their speech can be. But that's very different from what the Republicans do, which is literally ban books. They literally ban certain ideas from the classroom. You are not allowed to teach certain ideas in the classroom now if you are in Republican states like Florida, for example. They are the ones doing the cancel culture. They are the ones doing the censorship. And when a left-wing person gets canceled or censored, they don't care. It's all a tool for power. That second one, really, we have to make that clear. That in a moment where Republicans are growing increasingly violent and Donald Trump is increasingly calling for violence to defend him, to keep him out of prison, we need to realize that their interpretation of the Second Amendment is not about liberty. It's about violence against their fellow citizen. That's something we can't forget. And finally, in that just, guys, effing beautiful ending there, Raskin goes in hard without mercy and makes it clear, not only is Donald Trump a crook, every single Republican aiding and abetting him is a crook, is an accessory to this one-man crime wave. I know he's still recovering from cancer, and we wish him well, and I hope to God he recovers, not only for him and his family, but because this country, the United States, needs him. Yeah. We do.
Democratic underground. Michael J. Ross and I can't um, can't take him. David Raskin. Um, how about uh, Aggressive candidates. Dems.
Oh shit. I didn't. Oh man. I'm thinking of uh, boosting that. Uh, okay, let's see here. Hmm. Huh. This stages of deprogramming. Loss, heart shock, numbness, denial, emotional outburst, anger, fear, searchings, disorganization, panic, loneliness, depression, re-entry, relationship, new strengths.
Spotlight. Ha, 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 ha.